2: With Alex and Foxy. Alex and Foxy. Alex and Alex and If I put out Jackson in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? How we can go to head, to head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from
1: Dorte. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point. This is a Benedict for the shot. If anybody gonna come in the post, then we got Jalen Smith for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth.
2: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. And joining me, is a familiar voice, but he has changed beats, obviously. You guys know this. It's James Boyd of The Athletic. James, thanks so much for coming on, man.
1: Thanks for having me, man. The last time I believe I was on, uh, the world was a lot different. My life was a lot different. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, grateful to finally, I guess, switch over and be a, be a Pacers fan now. So it's been fun <laughs> to watch the team and not have to report on them and just consume it as a fan.
2: I mean, you had a a pretty bad year last year in terms of covering the Pacers (laughs) and and what they went through, but you got to see the kind of the rebirth of what the Pacers are trying to do, and that's rebuild a little bit here. But um, I'm curious, though, you know, go from covering 82 games in the NBA to, (laughs) you know, 17 games in the NFL. What has that transition been like for you?
1: My work-life balance is a lot better now. I'll say that just because you're not on the road as much, you know. I'm only gone for a couple of days on the weekend, as opposed to, you know, like a West coast trip where you might be gone for, you know, 11 days or something like that. I will say that I miss basketball a ton. It's still my favorite sport overall, but I think that, uh, the NFL just offers more, um, work-life balance and just more of a routine. You know, every week you kind of know what to expect with the NBA. You just kind of fly by the seat of your pants until the season is over, but, um, I was happy in both places. Just got a, you know, different opportunity. Grateful to be where I'm at. And, uh, the beauty of it is that now I can just be an NBA fan. Um, I was joking about being a Pacers fan, but I actually think I am now. Cause I, <laughs> I you know, I, I think when you find yourself wanting to keep up with the team, we don't have to anymore. Um, it's pretty obvious that you're engaged with it. You enjoy it. You like it. And then getting to know some of the guys was always fun. So seeing Tyrese, seeing Benedict, seeing these guys succeed is uh, cool. Cause I think, the, I think the Pacers have a lot of good, you know, men on their team outside of them actually trying to win basketball games.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, this Pacers team has been a lot of fun to watch this year, too. Like, uh, we're talking off-air, like, Benedict Mather just playing, like, out of his mind early on in the season. And, you know, we're seeing O'Shea set start to come alive here a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, this game that we watched tonight, you know, I I – Messaged you earlier today to see if you'd be able to come on and do a post-game show. And um I felt bad because it was like 10 minutes into the first <laughs> quarter and the Pacers had six points. And I'm like, oh man, I, I really set James up for a great game here to talk about. But they ended up pulling it out here. But I, I guess just like, give me one of your big takeaways from this game. My
1: biggest takeaway would probably be O'Shea Brissett having his best game of the season, knocked down a couple threes, um, you know, looked confident out there. I think it'll be good for his confidence overall. I know he's a confident guy in general, but I do think that when you're, you know, kind of getting inconsistent minutes, you don't really know what your role is. It's less defined that you can kind of, you know, get in your own head sometimes. And I thought that he played well tonight. And then obviously miles, you know, being the well, Twitter corrected me. I said, one of the best shot blockers in the world. They said the, the only, you know, first <laughs> overall. And it's hard to argue. Um, he looked great on the defensive end, really roaming the paint and um, making things tough on the Rockets. So I thought that, after the slow start, they settled in and and Tyrese, you know, got the offense humming a little bit and they were able to bring it home with some, some key defensive stops.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Miles in that fourth quarter, once again, asserted himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I felt bad for poor Tyrese. Tar- and I mean, the guy was trying, but in a matter of a minute and 40 seconds, he got blocked three times right at the rim by Miles. And it was just mm-hmm. like – he was uh, not gonna accept Miles as one of the best shot blockers or the best shot blocker <laughs> in the league. He's like, "No, nah, I'm gonna keep going up there." And Miles is like, "What are you doing?" Like, <laughs> it was like effortless for Miles. I was just laughing. I'm like, "Okay." So you know, Miles obviously five of eight from the field, seventeen points, seven rebounds. I think he finished with like three or four blocks in the game. So uh, four blocks, yeah. So you know, he really just solidified himself there in that fourth quarter because early in the third, I kind of I feel like he got pulled kind of early. Uh, you know, Lloyd Pierce was looking for yeah. somebody to go to. And then, you know, uh, Miles comes into the fourth and just does what he does. And it's uh, it was interesting because I was surprised the Rockets did not go back to Sengun earlier. They they played a little bit smaller, and I think it was uh, uh, beneficial for Miles because he's been doing it all season long, is attacking those smaller defenders when he switched on to him in the, in the post.
1: Yeah, he's looked pretty determined. Obviously, he's had a tumultuous offseason coming into this season. And I think that he's kind of taken it in stride and really had one of his better starts to any season of his career. And then you look at you know the rest of that that front court on you know who's uh, helping him as his wing man. You look at Jalen Smith and he's you know holding it down, man. Eighteen rebounds, I believe that was career high. Career Ten high, points, yeah.
2: three blocks and too.
1: So yeah, so they both were you know having an effect on the defensive end. And again, it felt like they just had to see the ball go through the hoop, which is a basketball cliche. But I think. They had, like, 35 points, actually, in the second quarter after that 10-point first quarter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after you take out that first quarter, the offense actually looked a lot better, a lot more fluid. And like we talked about before we came on, Benedict staying aggressive. I do think that his one area, oh, there's several, but I think one of his biggest areas of improvement will be just playmaking. Mm -hmm. I think that he's a great slasher and scorer, and and it's easy for him, in a sense, to get his own. But there are a few times here and there when I'm like, all right, you might could have, you know, passed that off or, you know, uh, dished this off to a big man or kicked it out for a three. But um, I think Pacers fans have to be pretty impressed with what he's doing. And the funny thing, Alex, about switching beats is in last season, the Pacers were, you know, really bad, obviously. And I come over to the Colts. And they're really bad, and so everyone everyone is blaming me for for things that are going wrong. And so when you told me to watch tonight's game. You know, I was gonna watch it anyways, but I was like, okay, I'm actually watching this to have you know coherent thoughts. And when they had that ten point first quarter, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I brought the mojo back. Like you know, so so it's been a, it's been like a running joke, you know, that I that I come whenever I join a beat, it just you know caves in and they, the team just nose dives. But jokes aside, it has been exciting to see the Pacers not only tonight, but really throughout the season, their schedule hasn't been that tough, but, you know, winning games against teams they're supposed to win against.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh I was listening to the broadcast before, uh, the radio broadcast before I was able to uh settle down and watch a game. I was out doing something and uh Mark Boyle said Kevin Pritchard flew in. They had a conversation and KP said, this felt like a trap game to him. And he said, can a Pacers team that seven and six really have a trap game set up? And, <laughs> and the was kind of like, well, I mean, yes and no. So, I thought that was interesting that KP was just like, you know, the Rockets are are three and twelve, right? I mean, they're not playing good at this point. Now they're three and thirteen. Very, mm. very young. I mean, they were like listen off the age of like three guys are 20, one's 19. So yeah. they are super young. But um, you know, you talked about covering the team last year. And before we uh, continue talking about this game, I'm just curious, like, what is the biggest difference you've seen from Miles Turner this year compared to last year when you watched him play?
1: I think that he's probably playing just freer, which is so weird because he's in this weird um, position where, you know, he could stay with the team with an extension or he could get moved and the rubber has to meet the road, obviously, by the the mid-season trade deadline because they're not going to let him walk for anything. And I think that he's probably just at peace knowing that, you know, at this point, you're kind of getting to the end of that road where a decision has to be made and he's letting his play, you know, do the talk. You know, I think that, Every year, like he said throughout his career, and he joked about it last year with me, like, you're new here, bro. I get, I'm in mean, trade rooms every year, but I think that he kind of knows, like, this is kind of put up or shut up time, or whether it's to put up here or put up somewhere else. I think he wants to prove that he's, you know, more than what he's been throughout his career. I know guys don't usually make significant jumps in year eight or whatever. I don't expect him to do that, but he has been better. He has been a little more consistent. And I think that for him, he's just, he's out to prove that, you know, that that guy that we've kind of, missed in a sense and not seen because of the injuries the last two seasons he's still that guy so um I'll always be I feel like I'm critical of players and coaches and teams as a reporter but um from a human standpoint it is cool to see him back out there after a weird year where he was you know I think a half the games he missed cuz of a foot injury and didn't get a chance to play Tyrese and I think the key to a lot of his success early on is Tyrese as well I mean it's it's a gimme question but when you got a guy who leads the N- NBA in assists um, I would imagine if you're Miles Turner, you run a little bit harder and you cut a little bit harder and cause you're not gonna get the ball from a guy who is, is, is as as unselfish as they come.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's just seen I feel like Miles is more assertive than he ever has been. I mean, that's the word I keep coming back to. It's like he's playing with more purpose. And whether that's for the next contract, whether that's just to prove that he could, you know, be the solo center. I mean, I think there's a lot of different factors here that play into like why he's having such a great season uh so far, but at the end of the day, I, I think you have to love it. I mean, only played 26 minutes tonight. Obviously, got in foul trouble early, mm-hmm. uh, got pulled out early in the th- third quarter, and he was still able to make an impact on this game when it mattered the most. Um, somebody else you mentioned earlier, Tyrese. I mean, just a quiet game from him, honestly. 19 points, eight assists, six rebounds, but it's just like he's just so impressive, even when it's not looking like it is his best night. And he he was two of nine from three, so like you know, not a great shooting night from him at all, but. He just continues to find ways to make plays happen for other people, even if it's not going for him. So I was just curious, you know, uh, watching Tyrese from last year to this year as well, like have you seen anything from him that's jumped off the page that looks a little bit different?
1: Yeah, I think the obvious one will be just the aggressiveness. Obviously, as a pass-first guy, and I talked to him about this before, you know, this season, and it's, it's a hard thing for him to kind of wrap his mind around where it's like, you might actually be the best scorer on the team and the best passer. And so he's expected to do both at a, at a high level. And one of the things I've noticed with Tyrese throughout the season is his, his efficiency. Like even tonight, he's two for nine from three, right? But he still was mm-hmm. seven for 16 from the field. That's pretty darn good for a guy yeah. who's not, you know, a big man shooting a lot of close shots. And so I feel like there's time, because he started the game, I believe, like one of seven, and you finished seven of 16. That's a pretty good game and a pretty good... <laughs> Indicator of how headstrong he is and how, you know, mentally strong he is to kind of get through some of those slumps, whether it's, you know, over several game stretch or just a one game stretch like tonight. And I think that for Tyrese, a lot of it has been just being more aggressive and trusting that he could be on most nights. Um, You know, I won't say most nights, but, you know, every night that he can be that guy. Like, I, I want to take it back to the most, the most nights and say every night, like every night he could be the best scorer on the floor. And I think that's something that he's kind of had to drill into his brain. Now, does he have to come out and be that every night? No. But the thought that you can be, I think, um, kind of fuels what he does on the floor. And it is exciting to see him, you know, uh, play with the freeness and the continuity. I think that last year he was kind of figuring a lot of things out still. But obviously with the full offseason and then coming into this year as a full season, you kind of know, like, this is his team. Everyone's following him. And it is, uh, you know, reinvigorating to have an all-star caliber player Leading this team, I know that people, you know, were probably sad to see the monster's bonus go. I think he's a really good player, an all star caliber player, obviously, with two selections. And I think Tyrese could very well be an all star this year, especially if the Pacers keep winning.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: if you, the guy's averaging double double, if he keeps this up, um, at, with the efficiency that he's had, with the success that they've had, I think that he could definitely be a dark horse, you know, uh, you know, all star candidate.
2: I mean, he's looked really good. I think Domas has looked good in in Sacramento. So, honestly, like, it was a pretty good trade for everybody. I think Buddy Heald has looked significantly better for the Pacers than he did in Sacramento. Uh, And and Mm -hmm. he's playing, like you said about Miles, more free. I feel like he's freer as well in this Rick Carlisle um, offense. But, you know, going back to Halliburton, didn't hit on it uh, at the beginning, but 37 seconds left in the game. He steps on Garuba's uh, foot, it looks like, and, We know that he had an ankle injury, I believe it was, on on Saturday. I can't remember. Saturday versus Raptors, and he was able to play Wednesday. So I'm not sure if it was the same ankle or not. We haven't gotten updates on that, but I think that's something to monitor. The Pacers are playing a back-to-back, so they'll be playing at home against Orlando. We'll be curious to see if Tyrese is available for that one just because of this ankle injury, and I think that's where it's going to be extremely difficult um, uh, to win that game without him out there. But I I will say – Andrew Nimhard has oh, man, I mean having him in that starting five has really changed things. he's kind of been like the quiet missing piece that they've they've needed, and I know Quinn's brought it up a few different times, but just having that second you know playmaker in that offense really has been key
1: absolutely and you see the amount of experience he's had throughout his career right you know he he played mm-hmm. you know four years of college basketball at, you know, major programs, at a high level, won a bunch of games, was relied on a lot. And I think that you see a lot of the maturity in this game, a lot of the decision-making, because point guard is the hardest position in basketball because you're asked to do so much, to be the point of attack on offense, to be the point of attack on defense. And I think that um, he's shown up on both ends of the floor and uh, helps you bank in a three like tonight. But (laughs) I think overall, man, he's gaining confidence by the day. And, you know, we talked about, maybe Matherin coming on a little bit faster than we expected and being more consistent than we expected. And I think the same can be said for Andrew Nimhart. I mean, I get that he played a lot in college and he's got the size and the skills, but to see him kind of stepping in and being, you know, another a secondary ball handler, another guy who could initiate, initiate offense, um, score the ball. These are all things that maybe I didn't expect to see until like the second half of the season. And he's doing it, you know, you know, really early in the, in the season, in his career. And I think that uh, that's exciting. And, and, and also, even with like his, his shot mechanics aren't that great to me, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a unique shot, but he makes it a pretty decent clip to keep you honest. And that's all you can ask for as a guard. Like it's not one of those things where he's coming in. And it's like this guy's got to work on his shot. He can't. No, like he'll knock it down if you leave, if you step off of him, which he did tonight. And I think that uh that's an exciting thing for this team just because you know, you're, you're, it feels like they've hit on their draft picks. You know, those two in particular. I know Kendall Brown's still working in the, in the G League, but mm. for those two in particular, it feels like they really hit on those picks. And, I mean, if I'm Rick Carlisle, who was a little hot tonight, I, I probably, he's probably cooled down by now. <laughs> I
2: forgot about <laughs> hey, that, yeah. Got
1: ejected early in the game. Shout out to Lloyd Pierce for, you know, manning the fort. But I do think <laughs> that uh Rick Carlisle, KP, the rest of the Francis has to be excited about what they did in this draft because it looks like you got two guys... We're going to be here for quite a while making plays for the team.
2: I mean, yeah, when them when Nimr catches and shoots, it looks way different than when he tries to shoot off the dribble. Yeah, uh, he had a terrible air ball on a step back three <laughs> tonight. I was like, Yeah, that's not his shot. I mean, he's mm-hmm. got to be set. So, yeah, it is an unorthodox shot for him. I don't, I don't really understand like how it goes in as efficiently as it does, or you know, it just seems like it takes so long to get in there. Like, it's like between yeah. him and McConnell, it's like good grief. Um. You know, McConnell's still a work in progress with history as well. I don't think that's ever going to really form uh, just not McConnell's game. But, yeah, I mean, other than that, I don't really think there's anything to uh, t- to really highlight in this game. Um, I guess the one thing that was surprising a little bit is, like, Caitlin Cooper tweeted this out. The Pacers played more players in the first quarter than they scored points. Uh, 12 players <laughs> in the such first a quarter. Caitlin
1: thing. Shout out to the GOAT.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was just cracking up. I'm like, that is hilarious. Like uh and Terry Taylor is just like the odd man out now. It feels like mm-hmm. uh he just cannot crack the rotation. And I mean last year I think a lot of people were kind of excited about the future of Terry Taylor. So mm-hmm. it's uh it, it's a tough spot for him to be in obviously because it's kind of like a small ball center, not really an outside presence from from mm-hmm. the offensive standpoint. And you're just you're just hoping that maybe there's something he can do to crack the rotation because you like what he can do, but right now it's just tough. But um, I guess the other person I do want to bring up just a little bit is Isaiah Jackson. I felt like he impacts the game and just brings a different element when he's out there compared to Miles. And I think that kind of helped the Pacers in that second half when they made those substitutions of him, Matherin, and McConnell to kind of speed up the game a little bit. I felt like that's kind of what shifted the Pacers to go on a little bit of a run.
1: Absolutely, and I think for Isaiah, he's still so raw. Like I'm looking at him, I'm like, man, this guy's got all the upside in the world. But as you know, upside is kind of like a backhanded compliment cuz it's like, you know, you have all this <laughs> stuff but you're not there yet. But you see flashes of it, and I think that he was put in positions to succeed tonight, you know, catch and and you know, dunk, catch and, and one dribble shoot, those types of things in the paint where you don't have to think too much. You're not relying on him to create his own offense. And I thought that he also had a couple of energy plays out there where he's tipping balls, whether he might not get the, you know, the stat for the rebound he might get. You know, if you're watching the game live, you'll see that he tipped it to someone else, something like that, or kicked it back out. And I thought that he had a couple of hustle plays there. And I think that with the way Miles plays and him being healthy, you know, for the most part this season, it, it can definitely help you know, in regard to to Isaiah's growth just because you see another guy that kind of looks like you. Obviously, there's differences in the way that they play. You know, Isaiah's more of a quick twitch athlete, but as far as shot blocking, um, versatility with shooting the ball, um, dominating the paint, those types of things, I think that you can learn from Miles in that regard. And uh, Isaiah's just got, you know, all the attention in the world is just about putting it together and being consistent and not fouling. He only mm-hmm. had two fouls tonight, which is good. He was plus seven. Um, I think that's, that's, that's his other thing is like, be disciplined, like stop swiping down, be tall. Like, I, you know, every coach I've ever had in my life was always like, be tall. I'm not tall at all, but they like, put your hands up. You know, you, you're very, you're a lot taller when you put your hands up. And I think that when he doesn't swipe down, when he doesn't like, you know, give into like some of those bad habits that he he's had throughout the early stages of his career, like all of young players do, he's a lot better. And I think that I've seen some growth in that, in that regard too, just because I'm like, man, there's some players where I'm like, Isaiah you did not have to try to block that. Just be tall. Like they'll throw you the ball in your hands if you just keep your hands up and don't swipe down. But um, again, growing pains for a young player with a young team. But again, I think that if you ask a lot of writers or, or people that just watch the league in general as casual fans, the paces are definitely off to a better start than we all kind of expected so far.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
2: Yeah, they're playing with an energy and a joy that I don't think I've seen from this team in quite a while, probably the 17-18 mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are kind of drawing comparisons to that. I've drawn comparisons to that as well. It just kind of feels like that. It feels like they're just – no expectations can kind of be a good thing, I guess you can say, because mm-hmm. um, they don't have anything to worry about. Like with the, the Sabonis-Brogdon era, it felt like they were always trying to be like a top-four seed so they could have a home-court playoff mm-hmm. advantage, and it just didn't work out. So uh Tyrese Halliburton did tweet out just three minutes ago that he will be fine and so let's so it doesn't seem like it's serious that's good and um just to kind of wrap this up here I will ask you um if you had to give anybody the player of the game for tonight's game who would he go to
1: player of the game I would have to go with O'Shea Brissett okay and I feel like You know, Miles is in the running, but I'll give it to O'Shea just because, one, he knocked down a couple shots from the perimeter. And it seemed like when he got in the game, he got him going. And They were down by about Mm -hmm. 20 when he got in the game, knocked down a couple shots, got the energy going. And, uh, you know, it felt like once he made a few, you know, Benedict Mather made a few and and the rest of them kind of came along. So I'll give it to O'Shea Brissett, you know, one for the game tonight, but also just keeping his head on straight because, again, it can be frustrating. Like he's in a, you know, a contract year. He might be thinking, you know, like anyone would, I want to get mine. I want to prove like to the rest of the league what I can do. And it seems like he's been able to, you know, keep himself straight and and make sure that he puts the team first, which, you know, a lot of guys preach, but it's not always easy to do, quite frankly, you know, whether you're on a team or in real life, like it's not always easy to put others before yourself. So I'll I'll give it to him. And uh, one thing I do want to add too is, you know, in regard to O'Shea is like that, that wing spot is very valuable, man. Like if he can knock down some shots, if he can, you know he he was mad at himself for not getting a rebound tonight, but if he can be active on the boards and kind of use some of that length, like that's always a spot in this league that teams can use because you know as you know, it this is a, a wings league, you know, and and if he can be an impactful one, that's a, that's another step forward for this franchise.
2: And the Pacers don't have very many wings, right? So no, right? That's a, that's another thing. Like he he can be really pivotal for this team. So yeah, over the last three games, that puts him at I believe ten of fifteen uh, field goals made and field goals attempted. So. 66.7 uh, percent, right there, in terms mm. of just shooting efficiency. So yeah, you gotta you gotta give him props. I feel like he was kind of the spark tonight, a little bit of an X factor. Um, I really love what Jalen Smith brought throughout the entirety of the game. It was oh yes, just the yes. rebounding. I mean, he was fantastic, and he made so many different offensive possessions happen for this team as well. I think he had like four offensive rebounds, and you know, just just terrific. But you brought up Miles. I feel like uh, those were the three highlights of tonight's game, and uh, yeah, Matherin and, and, and O'Shea really got this team going again in that second quarter just by being efficient. And uh when Buddy's not playing or shooting well, it's interesting. I mean, he honestly, like when, when Carlisle benched him, I thought that was a great thing. And I and I forgot to bring that up earlier in the first in the second quarter.
1: Yeah, I did see that. He was yeah, frustrated.
2: I, yeah, Buddy was hot. I mean he went in for like a minute and got beat off the dribble twice by Eric Gordon. And Carlisle yeah. pulled him right back out. And and then that stretch, you know, Buddy was ticked. But he came mm-hmm. back in and knocked two threes down after that. And I think That's kind of the thing that is beneficial to having a guy like Rick Carlisle on this roster compared to uh, an experienced coach, like we've talked before, like Navy Orkin, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Those players, when they get benched like that, they're not going to like it, but but they're going to respect it. And, you know, it's not like Rick penalized him and wouldn't put him back in the game. He just bench him for a short stint, put him back in, and
1: Yeah, you when go. you got Eric Gordon driving by you, come on, man. Like, he had the guy looking <laughs> like he was, like, MJ or something. I'm like, what? Like, this dude is outscoring the entire team right now. I know he's a good player, and maybe he gets hyped up playing against, you know, his hometown or or, or or home area team. But I was like, come on now, buddy. Like, you got this guy looking like he runs a, a 4-2-40. So, um, I was glad that Rick Carlisle, you know, uh, kind of got his attention. I think he got attention of the team, too, by getting teed up. Right. And um, It was like a, a joke, you know, and, and I, I got a kick out of listening to Quinn Buckner and I just because he's like the most honest, uh, you know, commentator, play by play guy in the country. So, um, you know, it was good to see th- that reaction from, you know, Rick Carlisle first with Buddy and then with the team. Like, hey, you guys got to get it together because this is not the brand of basketball you want to build. And I know um, in regards to like draft positioning and stuff like that, obviously you want to have a good draft pick. You don't want to. You know, no, I don't think anybody expects patients to go like, you know, uh, 72 and 10 or something like that. But um, throughout a season that's expected to be rough, you also don't want to build like bad habits and and Mm -hmm. have just, you know, lack of discipline on simple stuff like closeouts. So um, I was glad to see that. And obviously, Buddy's never going to be an all-world defender. But again, you can't have Eric Gordon out there looking like he's, you (laughs) know, an an all-NBA player. So (laughs) that was, uh, and, and you know what? While I'm laughing, I believe you know he had like 17 in the first half or something like that, and I don't even I don't even know if he ended the game with like you know 20 points. So yeah, I
2: think he had 24. Like everybody else was pretty bad on Houston tonight shooting wise. Like Jalen Green got like I think like 13 of his points. Awesome job
1: on him. An awesome job on him. You Mm -hmm. know, making him make decisions with the ball and not just be a scorer, not giving him straight line drives. And again, these are all like little tidbits that you can build on with your team and kind of the principles you build, on like, you know, a couple years from now will the personnel look different. Yes. But um, the principles got to be built now. And I thought that they you know, took a step forward tonight. And again, people can say like, it's the Rockets. They're, they're not good. Well, that's what you're supposed to do against bad teams. So let's beat them. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a, it was a fun night. And also uh, I got a kick out of, like I said, listening to Quinn just yell out every brick or <laughs> that the Pacers had that Houston had. And I, I will say that he is one of the most honest Guys, like, you know, even if it's – part of me is like, man, you're on the home broadcast. You're supposed to be talking about <laughs> – talking good about the base. He's like, uh-uh, that's not a good shot, you know, young fella and stuff like that. So um it's cool, man. That's the, the part of it that I do enjoy, like, now that I can kind of get out of the reporter space. You know, when you're at the game, you're not listening to, you're not listening to the broadcast. So it's right. kind of cool just being, um, you know, basically at home like everybody else <laughs> and, and having a good time with it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the funniest line from Quinn is when he started talking about Mather and being a football player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and you know like,
1: what? Matherin is, he was a hockey dude, you know, mm, growing up. So he sense, could definitely Tana. be, yeah, a football guy. Like, no, he's legit tough. And I, and I want to say this too, because we've talked about this. And, and Alex, you'll be surprised how many times people bring up the patience to me. Because again, they just think that I'm in purgatory now covering the Colts. And it's like, no, I, I still enjoy myself. And um, things <laughs> have been crazy, but it's been fun. But pretty much every every day, every few days, we're talking about what's going on with Benedict Matherin. Um, Victor Woman Yamba is probably the, 10th mentioned name in the Colts' <laughs> media room because we talk about <laughs> him a lot as well. But I think that Benedict has a healthy dose of just F everybody, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And that is a great mentality to have. I think that he caught everyone's attention with the LeBron quote, obviously, which I think has been taken out of context of a lot of people. Um, but for him to play as well as he has, I think that I kind of see like, some Jimmy Butler type of just don't care, you know, I'm going to, you know, be this guy, be this dude. You don't have to like me, but you're going to have to respect me. And I think that that's the case with him is that he's becoming to that point where it's like, you know, it's undeniable that he's one of the better rookies in this draft class, as he said he would be. And I think that he has a great you know, humility about him. And I think you know that if you read about his backstory, the stuff that he's been through. Mm-hmm. But again, he has that level of just like, I don't care, which is great. And one of the greatest quotes I've heard, I forget who, or where I heard it exactly, but it's like the greatest respect you can show someone in, in regards to basketball is like no respect at all. He doesn't oh, fear that. anything, man. He fears nothing out there. No respect to anybody else. Like, no, I'm the best player. And then maybe, you know, you're lying to yourself the first couple of years, but I would not be surprised if he's a guy who's a multi-time all-star in his career, just cause uh, he's, he looks like he's got the pieces right now to be a great player. And he's got the confidence already to, you know, to never really back down or get discouraged. I mean, he's a, uh, he's a real dude, man. I, I, I just like his demeanor. He is very much just, you know, it's, it's me against everybody. And if that's the case then, and so be it. And I just, I like that. I love it. I feel like fans like that too. And I think that embodies the Pacers, right? Like people don't expect mm-hmm. from the Pacers. But uh, if you get a guy like that, you know, rocking with you and you got Tyrese and maybe add another piece in the draft, Victor, if you're hearing this, come on down to Indy, buddy. <laughs> um, you know, we'll see what happens.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's definitely uh, – you can't say any better than that about, about Mather and Pacers have long needed someone with that mentality as well mm-hmm. on this team. They need that alpha male a little bit. And yes. he's still kind of playing backseat a little bit, right, mm-hmm. um, coming off the bench, that kind of stuff. But, like, yeah, when you watch, like, you can just tell, like, when he puts 18 points up in the second quarter against Denver, like you're like, okay, this guy's special. Like it's yeah. not like a, like a one-off with Lance coming back against the Brooklyn Nets, right? Like, it's <laughs> not like that. It's like, this guy has, has got it. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. one of the, I forget who said it, it might have been Tyrese, but uh, when he was in an interview, just talking about how Mathern is always in the back of the bus after games and stuff on the road trip, whatever, watching film with Carlisle.
1: Yeah. And, he did mention that. Yep. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, I just think that right there is just like, the hunger to, to be great is in Matherin. And sometimes guys get to the league and, and they're really talented and they kind of let their talent speak for itself. Where Matherin's got the talent, but he's putting in the work beyond belief to to, to prove that he can be a great player. And I think just that chippiness, that edge, that willingness to be greater, that the desire to be great is only going to help him reach those goals because that's you know he he's got goals in, set uh, set in front of him, and he's doing what he needs to do to, to take those steps to do it. Because you know I I've never really heard of a, of a of a young player like that watching film with their head coach.
1: Yeah, man. And on, you know what? <laughs> this kind of reminds me. And I think you probably heard the story already, but it was around the draft. Like when they, when he came to Indy and worked out, we found out later that he came back that same night and worked out again voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Um, with Rick Carlisle about his footwork. And I believe it was like a three-point shooting thing that he couldn't really do. And he, he was determined to do it before he left Indy. And I remember asking him um, the day that he got introduced to the other rookies, like, man, did you do any other, like, did you work out twice for any other team? And he was like, no, like, you know, this was, this was just a thing that I wanted to do because I was so determined to show Rick Carlisle that I was serious about this. And I think everyone, you know, before we officially found out, kind of knew, like, you know, mentality-wise, skill-wise, background-wise, he was the guy for them. And it looks like he, you know, has has proven them right. I I think that uh, there's something to be be said about players when the lights come on and how they perform. And, you know, you see it in summer league, and it's like, all right, like, okay. See it in the preseason when he had that crazy, like, windmill dunk. You're like, okay, like, it's the preseason. But now the lights are on, and he's still doing it. So I think that that's a positive and um, for me, I, I'm just enjoying it, man. I think that, again, when you kind of get to see a couple different layers of these guys up close and personal, um, you start to have a lot more respect for them. And I think the that Pacers fans kind of easily gravitate towards guys like Benedict, like Tyrese, because they're just easy and likable dudes to, to root for. I mean, I, I think that they're pretty good young men. And and those are the type of guys you want to build a franchise around, obviously, beyond their talent.
2: Totally agree with that. and. The Pacers def- definitely needed a leader, and I think they've got that in Halliburton,
1: mm-hmm. and,
2: and they've got hopefully a young star in Matherin, and that is the great, you know, I talked to Derek Schultz about this Wednesday or Tuesday night. You know, you've got two pillars already to, to, yes. to start building your franchise. But, so that is what it's all about. But, James, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Let everybody know where they can find you on social media and plug anything you want in terms of your Colts coverage and uh, and whatever else you want to plug Yeah,
1: I'm at Romeoville Kid. obviously, repping Romeoville, Illinois. You can check me out on The Athletic, on The Athletic app. Um, Got a bunch of cold stuff coming, as usual. I don't think we have any more coaching changes on the horizon. (laughs) I'll knock on some wood here. But, uh, yeah, thank you all for supporting me. Thanks for having me, Alex. Um, It's always a blast, man. And uh, like I said, it's been fun to just be a fan. I think that people kind of forget. And I'll say this. I don't care what anybody says. As a reporter, there is you know, a fan in you at some point. I think that's why we become what we become as far as our fields. Um, you kind of bury it when you're when you're in it, when you're on a specific beat. But um it is cool to kind of let my fan back out and just enjoy the game and, and root for the underdog, which is the paces. And I, I'm kind of enjoying uh, you know, telling everybody that Benedict Matherin is better than LeBron. So uh <laughs> it's been fun.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, man. And everybody if you haven't already make sure you follow us on Twitter at setting the pace three as long as Twitter is still around. Uh, we're on Instagram <laughs> at Pacers Talk, TikTok, and Facebook at Setting the Pace. My co-host, Faji's is at underscore FACCI. I'm an Alex Golden, NBA, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week, obviously, to, to cover more Pacers basketball. So, thanks for y'all for listening, and we'll be back.
1: Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team, we gonna need a mop. Smooth.
3: We're mm-hmm.